Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and would you like a beer? I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami and starting with a beer. The title is Norwegian Wood, and we'll talk about what that title may or may not mean. But you know what's also made out of wood? Barrels. And you know what was aged in a barrel? This beer. This is called from Founders. I didn't say it was smart, guys. And this is KBS Espresso. And uh, a bar- an ale aged with chocolate and coffee in oak bourbon barrels. Coming in at a modest 12%. Oh, was that it? I don't know what that is in metric, but yeah, 12%. I think it's 14 in metric. This, this is my favorite. KBS was one of the first beers I ever had. And I remember the fir- the first time I had it, uh, not the first beer ever, but the first beer I had where I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I remember the first time I had it at a beer festival about a decade plus ago. And then like, oh my God, will it come back? And every year since, I'm like, ah, it's still good. The espresso one, holy shit, still a great beer. And when you can buy a four pack for like 22 bucks now, beautiful country. It's an cost efficient blackout. <laughs> well, this is America, goddammit. <laughs> if I can't have that, what was it all for? <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't a beautiful country necessarily. Japan in the 60s, because <laughs> shit was weird. At least on the outskirts of what's happening in this plot. And Norwegian this, Wood yeah. takes place then. So this is our second Murakami book. This is one from 1987. They're not published in English until later. And I actually, there's been, I didn't pay attention to which translation I had. And I'm not going to oh. look it up now. Yeah, I don't know. But the book is is uh, it's as literally as old as me and Jimmy, and as old as Nate's most recent liver spot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it good takes, that he's not making more. Well, no, at a certain point, That's not a pretty run, good. Ra- it's a pretty good run. Yeah. Well, it's just a spot now for that first liver. <laughs> The replacement one is new ones. Oh, there you go. Um, so it's a strange book. Is it? It's a. It's a sort of the. There's like very very small frame of you know a guy reflecting on his past, and he's clearly in the 80s. But the whole book takes place in 1969. Nice. And uh, uh, according to Wikipedia, it became popular with Japanese youth. Which made me, when I read that, I was like, oh, so it's the perks of being a wallflower of Japan is kind of what this book is. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I was going to say, it's, it's pronouncing perk and wallflower is tough with a thick Japanese accent. The perks of being a wallflower. The perks of being a wallflower. <laughs> oh. Good job, Toru. So, because to uh, teenagers, there's nothing more interesting than what it's like to be an adult. <laughs> Don't do Thinking it. Thinking about <laughs> being a teenager. But also, killing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> when you kill yourself, you need a mortician. This beer is Morticia. It's a female mortician, I guess. A it's beer we gender have titles before? like that. Also, isn't it a name of a character in the Adams Family? It is. That's, I think that's probably a picture of her. Yeah, that's what gave me the idea. Uh, but this is also uh, oak bourbon 
barrel spirals. I don't know. Condition. Oh, it's conditioned. It's not in a barrel. Whatever. There's a barrel on the title there. But I didn't think about that. I was thinking about dead people. Uh, this is from Barrier, and it's an imperial stout with milk sugar and oak spirals and coffee. And it's 10.1%. I believe we have had that before in a bottle. Probably. A long while ago. It's very good. It's uh, it's it's like the other ones like this, you know? Uh, it's good, though. You know? No notes. No notes. Only 10%, though, so it's weak. Much like uh, all the suffering children <laughs> in this book. the characters book. in this book. No, uh, no, that's not nice. Okay, so... <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> this, this book, okay. More about suicide later, but okay. So the main character, his name is Toru, but everyone just calls him by his last name, which is what you do in Japan, Watanabe. At first, he's like, the very first scene is like, I remember back in Japan in the late 60s, and I remember listening to the song Norwegian Wood. Boom, there's the title of the book. That has nothing else to do with anything else in the book, except when they sing Norwegian Wood again Mm, later at the end. I think it has something to do with it. We'll get there at the end. When the bird has flown? When the bird has, in that later verse, everyone forgets, when the bird has hung itself. <laughs> that's when like birds every, do that without arms. When every bird the bird knows has hung itself. <laughs> um, okay, so he's just, he's just kind of like, uh, you know, I remember when Naoko, Naoko, the girl, was like, I remember when she said, will you remember me? And I was like, huh, yeah. And then sort of the entire rest of the book is sort of back in time in Japan, in Tokyo in 1969. But he's and also like, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I tried real hard, but not really. Mm. But what you do remember, what she does remember, is that she's dead. You find that out at the beginning. Yeah. And that's like, how did, how did she die? I'll Same tell you, it's a handy piece of information to know. Reading the book. Yeah. So the handy Nate. I don't know if you heard me. (laughs) (laughs) Old very this book is very handy. Yeah. It's coming to him. (laughs) (laughs) So the very first part, actually, I mean most of it the book is him in Japan in nineteen sixty nine in Tokyo. But it actually talks about before when he was in high school with Watanabe's uh, best friend Kazuki best friend kazuki who was like they're like close friends and they uh would play pool and then his only friend really yes exactly because watanabe is a very very odd person but anyway his friend kazuki went in there and he was 17 when he was roughly a senior in high school he went and um after a night on the town with watanabe he seemed to be perfectly fine but then he went home and hung himself no he gassed himself in his garage he is the one person who didn't hang themselves. <laughs> right. Uh, another 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 side character jumps in front of a train. I think oh, they have like that? a uh, Naoko's uncle. Bingo actually happening. <laughs> but yes, he gasses himself in his car and he left no note. And so Watanabe has wondered since then, why the fuck did he kill himself? And this is, you know, Japan is not the most not like America, most open to uh, mental illness sufferings. Not that America was particularly open to it in 1969 no, either. Yeah. 
Certainly not now. Also. <laughs> More uh, so than more Japan, so than though, if they were like, I'm suicidal, they're like, get that man a plane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, then um, after that happens, I mean, he's like, he, and then he's really just kind of the beginning. He's talking about his life in, in college because he moves into college, moves into a dormitory, which apparently wasn't like, well, I felt like wasn't specific to a specific college or maybe it was. No, maybe it was, it was just it Tokyo was University. Vague. University. I mean, I also don't know how the college system in Japan works, so it's hard to tell. But he's, you know, uh, basically he was, you know, a freshman in college in a dormitory, and he talks about like sort of the how kind of weird it is, and he talks about Stormtrooper, his roommate, who I'm not exactly sure what role he played besides just as a conversation starter when. Watanabe would told everybody, hey, guys, you've got to learn about this. my roommate, how crazy he is. He's a real weirdo. And he was called Stormtrooper because he was definitely a fascist, except to said, except it didn't matter. More uh, like on the, didn't the plot. Like a nerd spectrum of it, though. Like he would just keep everything clean. He had posters up of canals because he wanted to make maps. And he, he brought around a briefcase, which would make him a briefcase porter. this is from exhibit a and it's a an american porter called briefcase porter and these happen really close together but i get to drink both of them the whole episode now i'm gonna need them this is uh have you ever had a porter it tastes like yeah like a stout brown malt just another delicious porter that's very honest I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say stormtrooper is a is a uh, fascist per se because you really don't learn enough about him. He's a neat freak, yeah. Who is preparing to work as a fucking cartographer and is a weirdo. But I don't know if he's a fascist. He, but it's like the late sixties, and he is a super straight. Is, is not like sexuality wise, but like super fucking straight edge kid. Straight edge, yeah. Before such a thing existed. He's probably not a fascist because the school is having problems with actual fascists. And he's more just like an uptight nerd. He's, you get this, he's a guy from like a shitty town who is there and he's like, this is my chance. Don't fuck it up. And he's doing everything by the book. It just reminds and me everyone's like- a dick to him for it. <laughs> and actually they're not a dick to him. They're a dick about him. Like every time they're like, there's a lull in conversation. Toru was like, "Did I mention how stormtroopers an asshole?" And everyone's like, "Tell us again." And they laugh at him. And I feel like he was the real victim of the book. <laughs> he was the he, one guy. He tells everyone else in the school that that stormtrooper jacks off to pictures of bridges and canals, and they all believe him. And yeah, and then eventually stormtrooper just le- disappears. He disappears from the school. Probably into a canal. <laughs> it's just a so, random. Watanabe also talks about his other friend Nagasawa, who is the one who is like a basically a rich, like popular dude who seems to do like whatever he wants. And even though Nagasawa has a steady girlfriend, he's always just every weekend just going out, hitting the bars, and picking up chicks and bringing them to the love hotels. 
And then Nagasawa, get, he, you know, Watanabe has no friends. And Nagasawa's like, hey, you're reading The Great Gatsby. I loved that book. I don't know why, because I didn't really love that book. But he's take, But Nagasawa and Watanabe become friends. And Nagasawa takes him out to meet girls all the time. And Nate, you're fucking forcing me to drink this beer now. I have a beer for this, too. Okay. Oh, fine. God damn it. All right, you could do it. <laughs> so... Uh, this is where Watanabe is like, you know, uh, sleeping with chicks like every weekend. So do you think you would say, K, thanks? <laughs> <laughs> this is K, T-H-X, also known as K, thanks, by uh, by Industrial Arts. <laughs> and this is definitely a Thanksgiving-themed beer, though it is not Thanksgiving. Is this is a cranberry flavored? sour ale brewed with sweet potatoes and cranberry puree. Okay. Gobble gobble. That's and definitely has like cartoon um turkeys <laughs> on the front. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that is tart. Oh my god. <laughs> Woo. Is, is that the sweet potato? <laughs> yes, the sweet <laughs> potatoes made it really tart. The cranberry <laughs> contributed nothing though. Because you know, like what cranberry tastes like with no sugar. No one That's likes what it. this tastes like. They, oh I don't my know God. if they exist without sugar in it's any about form. As that sweet we can as having them. all your friends kill themselves. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's quite strong. I mean, the flavor that is. It is quite, quite intense. No wonder they still had some of this at the store. <laughs> <laughs> it's aged, <laughs> and I took it off their hands. Nice aged um, sweet potato beer. Okay, if you like sours that are incredibly sour, you might You're like this because it definitely tastes like cranberries. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'm getting any sweet potato or more like it. Just the cranberry so strong. How could you get anything else? Maybe so. it's just the skin. Sweet potato at Thanksgiving, <laughs> especially, is just a vehicle to deliver marshmallow to you. That's and really... butter or butter and gravy. Mm-hmm. Anything but sweet potato. Bold choice. Bold choice. Brown sugar and granola, marshmallow, butter, everything we just said. But it's not about getting you that sweet yam flavor. (laughs) Yep. I wouldn't recommend this for that sweet yam flavor. Thanks, Industrial. K, thanks, Industrial Art. (laughs) (laughs) And also, thanks to you, our patrons. Oh, yeah. We should say that these beers are brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. And if you want to support the podcast, you could head over to patreon.com slash Club. You could become a supporter of the podcast and give us money. I think they accept yen. I'm not sure. And you can... I don't know. I'm not sure. They take some other weird shit. And uh, you can uh, get early access to episodes, exclusive content, get shouted out on our monthly book poll episodes... Vote in that book poll. Piss off those fascists by voting. And uh, get all sorts of other things. If you want to do that, head over there to support the podcast. And if that's not your thing, hold on to your yen. And you can support the podcast by just leaving us a review. Or if you're listening. Or just go telling someone to check it out. Telling two someones. Tell multiple someones. Hopefully not people who are heading to a forest to hang themselves. As happens in this book. Too often. As long as they re- read, it. as long as they leave a review first. 
<laughs> as long as the review doesn't say. <laughs> I, I killed wanted myself, to kill myself. At <laughs> This was pretty good, but not good enough not to do this. <laughs> as the gas fills my car, this podcast isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that with electric cars. What will they do in the future? Will they just shock themselves? Never mind. Anyway. Um, Jimmy, if you can give yourself a shocker, you're very flexible. So doesn't mean um, you can be that flexible. Uh, so I hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Nagasawa is a rich asshole guy who just goes out picking up uh, hot you know, chicks all the time. Even though he has a steady girlfriend, Hatsumi, and... Uh, who also kills herself by the end of the book. Everyone fucking dies. It's like Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> no one makes it to the end of the book. Hey, spoilers. It's like Hamlet. You should have said like Hamlet. That's the classier, the classier one. Fuck that. Fuck that and it's stupid Danish neck. Uh, That's why there's Hamlet too. Try Hammer. <laughs> hammer of the gods. <laughs> so the first bunch of the book is... Watanabe processing the death of his friend, and we, but we not at all. Yet, we didn't mention yet that he's he sees Naoko on the train, and they start hanging out over weekend. And she was Kazuki's girlfriend. Oh in yeah, high school, and it, they were like they were like a, a, a merry threesome all the time. Like it wasn't weird apparently, but they. We're just the three of them hanging out all the time, and then he killed himself, and they kind of drifted apart. And he runs into her on the train. That's kind of where the book really begins, plot-wise, because it's he runs into her, and they start taking these trips. She walks around silently, and they are both violently depressed. Seven steps behind him. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of hang out a bunch of times, but then one night, and this is still like the fall of... Fall or spring, maybe uh, of you know the uh, of their freshman year of college, and Watanabe goes over to Naoko's apartment, and it's her birthday. It is her birthday. That is right. And she's like, "I'm just so sad all the time," and cries. And then, so what does he do? He's like, he... "I think I think I'm gonna get get lucky tonight." <laughs> It's my birthday, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He takes her clothes off, and then they fuck. And it's her first time. And for her, it's her first time, and he is like, that's weird. I thought you were, uh, because you dated Kazuki for like I was getting sloppy ghost seconds. (laughs) Like, like, "That's, that's weird. But anyway, so they do, and... It it was it was weird, but okay, I guess. But then afterward, she disappears, or more like she leaves the college, she leaves university to go back home. But she doesn't even go back. But he, when he finally gets a letter to her, or she finally responds, it's like months it's, later. Yeah, it's that she's now living in a like a a, ho- a sort of you find out a lot more about it a sort of mental hospital, mental institution. But before he knows that, you know that, like, definitely dated thing. It's like, oh, no, she she fucked that guy, and now she's a lesbian kind of joke that used to be on sitcoms in the 90s. He doesn't fuck her into being a lesbian. He fucks her into being uneducated. 
Like she drops out of school. That's impressive in a way. <laughs> just like I can't even bother learning anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that's a compliment or not to to anyone. Well, she she ends up in a mental hospital, so. But he doesn't know that right away. No. He's like, she's being weird. And then you find out later and you're like, oh, okay, she was fucked up. And he, mm, I don't know what that situation was like. But for a second, it's like, what the fuck happened there? Like, it just doesn't make, it's confusing. But the idea of fucking somebody into being like, I'm just going to give up on my future. <laughs> That's, I mean, that is what happens, actually. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's true. Uh, But then he he goes on about his day, and he's like, I'm studying Euripides and German declensions. Well, he also, at that point, has no one. Because he spends his weeks, you know, just learning, and then going to his room and... Listening to records while Stormtrooper does Jumping Jack 6AM when they raise the flag. And then on the weekends, he's either taking these awkward walks for days with Naoko or banging randos with Nagasawa. But that guy just kind of comes into his life randomly like some like horny tornado. Uh, tornado. Oh, yeah. I was going to say dick cyclone, but that's better. <laughs> You guys are gonna you're gonna focus on that, but you're gonna ignore that Jimmy said he comes into his life. Oh, he does. <laughs> he came they into talk about how they else's life. Ladies halfway through banging once. I think they did a round of banging, and then they oh, swapped yeah. for round two. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but and, and, and later after and later in the book, Nagasawa was was like, "Hey, remember when we swapped that one time? The chubbier one was better." <laughs> He says that in front of his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, in front of his girlfriend, who th- who later spoilers herself. So, <laughs> but like years later, so you know it took four, a real time, long four time. Four years later, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so he. Wait, how is often did now... they go out? Would you say they went out? Oh, almost every night. Yeah. Or... Oh, I literally have that. I almost use that. I have that in the fridge. Fin <laughs> bag every night. Yep. I had to go pick up, I had to drop off an empty keg the other day, and I was like, oh, I should stock up. Getting a, getting a nice beer picked up this Friday. Not going to remember anything from then till Monday. It's going to be fun. <laughs> what, what is that beer, though? Oh, this one? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get there. Pace yourself. Oh, I thought it was Peace, called like almost As they every say night. to each other like a hundred times in this book. So they go out every attack. night. Nagasawa <laughs> and. <laughs> They go out every night, Nagasawa and uh, Watanabe. And this beer is cold every night. And it's a, oh my God, it's like it's spilling all over me. What is happening? It's a double IPA from Finback. It's 8% alcohol. And it's dry hopped with Meridian Mosaic, Blood Meridian. Now I made that part up. And Simcoe. Let's see how it is. Man, that tastes really good. And in the middle there, you taste a different hop. It's like you banged one, you swapped partners in the middle, <laughs> and the other one was also good. No, it doesn't. It, it's actually just a really great double IPA. Carry on, Nate. I'll stop interrupting you now. <laughs> okay, so um, after after Watanabe finally gets 
a letter from Naoko. He calls the hospital and asks if he can go just to just to see her, and they say yes. So after he has like a like a long weekend where he can get away from his university, he goes down to the goes down to the the place, and I definitely cannot remember its name, but it was a uh, it was a mental hospital. But when he gets there, he sits okay. for a long time with. Well, we we skipped a lot of chunks here. We skipped Midori entirely. She disappears, and then he meets the other important character. Oh, he meets Midori. Midori, or Mike. I assume you know how to say this name better than we would. I think it's just Midori, and you just flip the R sound. Sometimes they stress random other syllables that don't make sense to us. But okay, Midori. It's usually the first syllable. I was trying to think about that now, because I thought I might... Have to tap into those four years I took Japanese for this episode. Two decades ago. <laughs> many. I will bring great shame to my family if I don't remember this. But it's usually the, the first syllable. I and thought it was, yeah. And if there's anything that looks like um, a, like what we would think of as a diphthong, like... Well, I can't see what she's wearing. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Educational podcast, Jimmy. It's <laughs> a strictly audio medium. Well, like something like Naoko, if you saw that in an English word, you'd be like, Naoko? You would just kind of blow, you would combine it. But like in Japanese, you still preserve the distinction between the two umlaut. vowels. So like Reiko, as I imagine how you'd pronounce it. But only one of us did the audiobook, and they can confirm. I think it was Reiko, yeah. Because um, Reiko doesn't sound right to me. Reiko sounds like a 1950s television company. Like, that just sounds... Or they make, like, make, uh, they make Teflon pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New from Reiko. Keep the communists from seeing what your drawers look like. <laughs> <laughs> and the decoder ring <laughs> included with every purchase. I don't think there's a name for this. That, that what they... I don't remember if it's sanatorium or sanitarium. They call it. They like call one's it a Metallica song, and one's a real thing. Oh, well, in the book, it's called a sanatorium, which is where a place like with pe- so they talk a whole lot about fucking it's like a convalescence home. They, they talk about the place, the the Magic Mountain, by Thomas Mann, that fucking horribly long, boring ass book. There's a lot of literary That's references right. in here to stuff that I didn't know. I looked up right. some of them and was like, to see what I got the reference to, like, understand what they were talking about. I figured, oh, it's got it. They picked this book for a reason. And I was like, I'm not going to bother learning this right now. So yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't bother looking at that one. I read The Magic Mountain, Dieselberg, um, <laughs> years ago. And it's a bunch of fucking mostly Germans, but not only Germans, in a mountain tuberculosis sanatorium. In like 1910 or so. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> and it's a heavy, heavy philosophical thing. Like each, like different characters represent different philosophical thoughts and ideas. And hmm. the book ends where the main character, Hans Kastorp or something like that was his name, is fighting in World War One. And it's like, where is he going? He's going into his destiny and he's probably almost certainly going to get fucking murdered. And that's how it ends. And, I mean, there's a, there are a ton of references to books here, but they kept talking about that, and Reiko was like, how could you bring that book here? It's like, well, it's a little too on the nose, don't you think? 
And he's like, do you know how to play Norwegian wood? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just move on. But, okay, before he goes there, he actually in, meets um, uh, a, another really important character. He, uh, Watanabe is out at, like, getting a restaurant. Was he getting breakfast or lunch or something like that? And this girl who just sits down at his table and it's like, hey, do you remember me? And he's like, uh, no. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm in your um, whatever theater History class. drama. Drama class. And he's like, oh, okay. And she's very outgoing and very, um, I was going to say, not just assertive, but almost like aggressive. Like, hey, want to go do something? Hey, I like you. Hey. And then she's almost so like they, a manic pixie dream girl from, you know, mo- fairly modern movie tropism. Yeah. Who's... Yeah. And then the first time they, and then she's like, oh, why don't you come, you know, visit, come visit me in my apartment. We live a buck above a bookshop. So he goes there and she, both they watch a fire because they're literally a building down the street is on fire. And she tells him about how her mother died of brain cancer. It was very sad. And how her older sister hung herself. And she was the one who, like, found her. And that her father says he's in Europe. She says he's in Uruguay. Some, but he actually wasn't. He just has brain cancer also. You which don't is find like, that out until much later, though. Yeah, you don't find that. At first, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm mad at my dad. He just, like, you know, when I just went to, like, Uruguay. He just left us. But it turns out, no, he's in the hospital with cancer. Was that Midori whose sister hung herself? I thought that was yes. Naoko's sister. Because Midori's oh, sister... It? Oh, no, Naoko's Midori, sister hung herself. Oh, it was Naoko's Midori's sister, sister is right, still right. in the book. Because she, she lied about the other ones. So I thought, oh, maybe she lied about that, too. But like, no, no, no. That was because right. Naoko's... It's Naoko's yeah, sister. Yep. Surrounded <laughs> by death. They all look the same to Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um... Is a very bad. <laughs> it brought a great shame. Oh. So anyway, so they watch. You're right. That was Naoko. So anyway, but, but her when mom did die of brain cancer. Brain cancer. And that her, part dad was, her dad ditched. Which is ditched, a clue. Like, he did. Every ditch. character is he's, fucked up. Like their whole backstory is terrible. <laughs> but actually, he's in the hospital also with brain cancer. But I'm thinking. There, I think there's books. a reason for all that. I think it will get to the at the end, perhaps. It's the nukes. It is, yeah. <laughs> More like fuck you, Shima. <laughs> that had not happened yet. Um, so uh, <laughs> anyway, so they watch a fire, and but they don't. No wait, do they have sex? They nope. kiss. Yeah, that's all. They kiss while watching the fire engines put out the fire. She's got a boyfriend. It's so romantic. Yeah, she does. Because she hey, has man, the equivalent of an internet boyfriend. She has a boyfriend that never appears in the text. She's like, I have a boyfriend. He's really great, you know. And Watanabe is always like, okay. Like, he just never engages. He's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, he answers like this stereotypical Japanese man who doesn't even answer in words. He goes, mm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which... So I remember um, when I took Japanese in school, one of the things I do remember 
Which is besides, like, where is the post office? Like the bullshit that they taught us. <laughs> is that you know you could tell like, yes or no, and you know it's like hi is yes right, but you can go hmm like un meant yes, but you can also say no and go like un <laughs> was no, and is you know for us as who were not Japanese speakers we were like that's fucking that makes. How could anything get done <laughs> if fucking yes and no are the same word? And it's really, and like the, the teacher was like, excuse me, sensei. I was like, no, it's really easy. Because it's just like context. And then it was like, blah, blah, That's not blah, how blah. questions work. <laughs> What's that? That's not how yes or no questions work. <laughs> well, it was just like. Yeah, I, I get it. It's more it, like. It's also about tone, right? It's more, yeah, tone is the right word. And but more like, you know, here's a question, and like blah 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 blah, you know, sumo wrestler's diaper on your head, and you'd be like, mm. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a no, and then be like, something something something, you want to be in the bukkake, and you're like, mm. and then like, it's a yes. <laughs> I don't think you in do those exact examples, but but basically it was like un and un were <laughs> two different words. And I feel like those should have been the examples they gave us in class. I would have remembered it better. I would have done better on that, the state test. stays in your mind. <laughs> Did you know that in Irish, there is no word for yes or no? You just have to answer in a full sentence. It's like, Did you go to the store? I went to the store. Do you like the Brits? I don't like the Brits. <laughs> be like, fucking bullshit. There's no word for yes or no. Well, did you know in the ancient No wonder Greek... they got conquered. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be conquered? Yeah, oh, out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he he kisses Midori, and then he goes on some more adventures, and he bangs a random girl. He, he, he sleeps over at her house, and he gets on, because this is Japan, which apparently is still a thing. Like, the trains stop, and everyone either checks into a fuck hotel because it's cheap, or you just like go to a cafe, just wait till the train starts again. And so he's waiting in a cafe, and these two girls, you know, like, you mind if we sit here? And he's like, that's cool. And they say, like, hey, do you want to go get a drink? Like, we, my friend's going through some shit. It's like, it's, it's the morning. He's like, yeah, we could do that anyway. He's like, okay. And so they go out, and he bangs one, and, and he wakes up and goes home. And there's a letter from Naoko. It says, please come see me. And he's like, I just came, but I'll go. So, like a karma chameleon. So he goes to the um, the hospital place, and when he gets there, it's really it's more like a retreat, summer yes. camp. <laughs> also, yeah, definitely, they're all like Girl Scouts, and they just you know like sit around a fire. No, not quite, but they have like little dorms. But they, they... but in the sixties, this was a significant improvement to the camps the Japanese had been building in previous yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And so, at first, <laughs> Watanabe, they just, um, it speaks with Riko. He was told to meet Rico. Dr. Ishida, but he finds that Dr. Ishida is not a doctor at all. It's just Naoko's roommate, Reiko. And there's not really so many doctors around in this place. It's more like a AA or like a support group with some supervision. And chores. It's like a commune, 
with therapy, but the only therapy is like silence. That sounds very Japanese. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so first, what's her? How do you pronounce her name again? I've forgotten. Reiko. 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 Take Ta- Reiko and first, make it a two syllables. Reiko talks to Watanabe. Put the and emphasis on She's Ray. like, "Oh no, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guitar player." Oh, and you look like you haven't played guitar in a while. Uh, and you're like, "Guitar player? Oh yeah, I'm her roommate. Yeah, she's really sad, but she's really glad that you're here. And you can just sleep on the couch on the outside of the little." bedroom thing and like oh okay great and so then he goes to uh then he goes and, and sees naoko and she's very you know happy to see him and they talk for a while not as happy as he is to see her to <laughs> so after he's there for a day and then the next day he and naoko they go for uh oh they go for a walk and Reiko is like, you know, I think you two want to be alone. So then, also, uh, during the night, she comes out and, and like, sits next to the, uh, next to his couch and just, like, takes her clothes off. Doesn't do anything, but just, like, takes her clothes off. And he's like, oh, she's so, she's so attractive. But anyway, then the next day, they, they go out and they're, like, on this walk and they're out in a field and... I forget which story she tells him. Because then Ryoko, I mean, Naoko is finally, like, talking about not only just how sad she was, but what what it was like with Kazuki. Well, first, Ryoko tells an extremely long fucking story. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's like a fifth of the book is just (laughs) this. About the time she got tricked into being a lesbian pedophile. <laughs> By a 13-year-old. <laughs> yes, uh, a 13-year-old sociopath. According to her, she's like, it wasn't my fault. That kid was really hot. Kid came. <laughs> and she was like, asking for it. She was like, come on, teach me piano. I was like, I guess. And then bada bing, bada boom, I'm eating out some teenage puss. And you're like, What? You know, we've all been there. But <laughs> it could happen the to anyone. The but a big part was 20% of the book. It was like a long, it was a long build up. I remember I was reading it. And I was like, I'll just finish this chapter. And it's like, <laughs> whole, and like I have on the Kindle, like how many minutes left in the book? And I'm like, that's a lot of, how much left in this chapter? I feel like I've been reading a lot about this. <laughs> how this woman ruined her life by molesting a child. I'm like, I got it. I don't need to read more. And then I hit, how much left in the chapter? It's like, 52 minutes? Holy <laughs> fuck, another hour of this? That's for tomorrow. <laughs> Just went to bed. Well, she tells that long story. And then they go for a walk in the woods. And he's also uh, long and hard. And he's in the woods with his woods. And he gets an awkward hand job from Naoko, who says, you know, who explains to him it was her first time because every time she tried to bang Kazuki when they were younger, she was too dry and they couldn't do it. And he's like, that's a lot of information. Uh, so the only time I've ever really been wet is that time on my birthday. It's like, was it the tears? And she says, no, didn't really say that, but you have to ask. Um, and then she gives him a weird hand job and they go back and they hang out. And she also says, oh, by the way, you know, my sister killed herself 
and I found the body, also when she was 17, and my uncle suddenly developed some sort of agoraphobia and locked himself inside for four years of his life when he turned 17, and then he jumped in front of a train. And he's just like, so was that handjob happening or what? Just like, uh... <laughs> yeah. And he goes back to Tokyo. Stroke To go back to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goes back so, to Tokyo. He sees uh, Midori. Uh, yes, who he asks, sees Nagasawa who asks him, again. Also, but also oh, Mid- yeah. Midori. Well, yeah, he sees Midori, who asks him like, "When you jack off, could you think of me?" And he's like, "That seems weird." He's like, "You should just do that." He's like, "I don't feel comfortable in this conversation." He's like, "You should probably do that." He's like, "Okay, I will. Please just stop talking to me about this." And she says, "Thanks." Yeah, man. He never picks up like, on anything. <laughs> well, that is all. Yeah, when when you process the book as a whole, it makes more sense. He couldn't process that she had a hole. No, he couldn't. He's a fucking dummy. He couldn't understand why anyone would be interested in him. Right. I'll save it for later, but it just made me think of being a high school student. Except he's in college. That girl had a crush on you. Like, what? How was I supposed to know that? And then you talk, and you you go play back the conversation. She's like. I bet you have a penis that could fit in my mouth. And you're like, maybe. And you walk away. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a hint. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's Both so of those are of average obvious. size. <laughs> and you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think she likes me. <laughs> I mean, I'll look into it, but the logistics make sense. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly how it works when you're fucking young and stupid. And you know what to do. <laughs> So then, because the book has gone uh, a few pages without someone being horrifically sad, uh, she says, by the way, my dad isn't in Uruguay. Uh, He's in the hospital dying of a brain tumor, just like my mom. Let's go hang out with him. Which is just as good as Uruguay. (laughs) 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 Might as well be. Uh, Watanabe is like, okay, we're just going to hang out in the hospital. (laughs) <laughs> With your father, who just had... Did he just have brain surgery? No, he's just... He's dying. He's just dying. He's just very much dying. And he's yeah. like, I'll, I'll hang out with your father. You can go and... I'll hang with your father and just eat these cucumbers. <laughs> and I'll put one of my cu- pickles in his mouth. <laughs> Which he does. He, he, she, he let Midori just like... Have some time to herself. And so he just and this is with the most he talks in the book. <laughs> yeah. He talks to him. The guy who can't say anything because his brain is full of holes. And he can only say like, <laughs> he, he can only say like, uh, I'm not thirsty anymore. No, he, he just, all he can say is like, no more. <laughs> and then like, and then, but all they had was cucumbers, just like rock cucumbers. Like, I'll just eat a cucumber here. You want some cucumber? Eat some cucumber. Diffuse him a cucumber. And then it's literally like, oh, okay, that was nice. That was a nice, that was a nice moment we had. Next scene, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. And then Midori's like, and Midori, who's a fucking processing enormous grief, and but also like just rejecting it, and she's just angry about it. About it. She's like, fucking another fucking funeral, like this shit again. Oh, I hate this. So they go to the funeral, 
And then he writes a letter to Naoko, and, you know, it's, it's a real downer, of course. Uh, and then he goes to the most awkward dinner in the world oh my with gosh. Nagasawa and Hatsume, her girl, his girlfriend, where it's, it's just like... It's like that d- the dinner scene in Breaking Bad with, with Walt and his wife and Jesse in the middle, like, just trying to drink his water while they just go at it. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking uncomfortable. But Toru is too depressed to even care. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, this is fun. This is a good restaurant. <laughs> while Nagasawa I'm, talks about, like, all I'm the, the ladies sticks. he banged. He's like, hey, and he's like, hey, remember when he went out and banged those chicks? And that's, and that's where he says, you know, oh, yeah, the chubby one, she was better. And it with his girlfriend right there. And she's like, finally, after a long time, finally says, you know what? Go away. Just, just, just leave. And then she takes him out to play pool. And then... Toru. Or Toru, Watanabe. yeah. Watanabe out to play pool. And then, like, talk a bit. And then they don't fuck, though. Do they? No, no, nothing no. happens. No, no. No, but she don't. she gets a phone call and she's and he can tell that it's Nagasawa calling to like you know make up and she's like uh, peace and he never sees her again and he's like she killed herself four years and later and he's like, like yeah oh, okay <laughs> and then and she he, did leave him married a different guy but then killed herself when she cut her wrist though so and when he found out he found out from Nagasawa who was like can you believe my luck. And then he was like, ah, okay, cool, dude. And he's like, ripped up the guy's numbers, like, never talk to him again. Fuck you, douchebag. Yeah. At this point, even I, who's not the most perceptive reader, was like, I'm sensing something in this book. (laughs) Sensaying. Oh, I was. I wasn't sensaying it. I was more like sense listening to it. (laughs) I was sense reading it. I like, I feel like there's something happening. I'm noticing any I'm noticing themes. It's mostly like every sure. character dies <laughs> by their own hand. That's the only thing that happens by hand because he goes back to see Naoko. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, before he does that, he goes to see Midori again and she doesn't like I've got my period, so I couldn't bang my boyfriend. Let's just drink all day. And he's like, okay. And then she passes out in bed at home, and he reads Beneath the Wheel by Herman Hesse. And you're like, I'm sure that means something. I looked it up, and it's about weird philosophical shit again, because it's Hesse also. And then he leaves, and then he goes to Naoko, gets a handjob and a blowy. Do, do we, skip, we skipped when Midori and he go to the porn movie? Oh, that's this time. That's where they drink all day. They go to the porn movie, and she questions the... You know, the sounds. She likes the sounds. Uh, but she questions some of the realism choices. And he still doesn't pick up the hint. She's really laying it on thick there. Oh, uh, also, she jacks him off. And then they go to bed. But it doesn't, it doesn't count. She got a boyfriend, but that doesn't count. It's just hand stuff. He's like, that's cool. You know, I, I mean, I, I prescribe, I, I subscribe to, who, who's, who's a hose in different area codes singer? Luda. That's Luda. Was that Luda? It was Luda. Okay, yeah. it was Luda. The bar. The way of Luda. <laughs> the Luda in, in <laughs> the <Japan>. enlightened one. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the top of his game.
the middle path. <laughs> He's been following the eight stro- the eight stroke way, <laughs> the eight stroke path, and the four noble tugs. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a. This, this book has a. I think like per capita the most hand jobs per page probably. <laughs> per capita per page, more. Because all the other sex books were, were mostly blowies. This is yeah. all hand jobs. It's, it's really just like a... It's, it's, just, it's very niche in that regard. <laughs> Maybe that's what Norwegian wood is. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> it's a euphemism. Because <laughs> they've got such big hands. I'm guessing. They're Let tall. Me sp- spruce up your cock here. <laughs> you know, spruce. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm weeping. Willow. Anyway, he... Uh, <laughs> He goes back to visit Stoke. Naoko, and they Oak. do some weird hand-and-mouth stuff, and then he goes back to Tokyo, and he's like, I'm moving out of the dorm, because all this fascism shit and the student protests, which is still happening in the background, and I looked it up on Wikipedia, I read the summary, and I still don't understand it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he kind of mocks them in the book, like they're a bunch of bullshitters. They're just like... Yeah. yeah it's, it's the like, equivalent of people today on like social media who just kind of like repeat... Slogans they heard from other people, and yes. not signaling out. And it's like there's like a political aisle, but you just like hashtag this, and then you just like say a thing. But like, dude, we're not even talking about that. Like, they just you just say it. Most of it is bullshitting. This one actually does escalate to like actual fights with cops, uh, and that's where it ends. Uh, but he gets out of it before that. He moves into a guy's garden shack. And he decides, I'm going to be even more depressed than the rest of this book and live by myself in someone's shed. He moves into the um, the love Shaquille O'Neal, in short, the love shack. Well, it's not that until the end, until then it's just a vigorous masturbation shack. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> the self-love shack. <laughs> So he's writing letters. He's writing letters to Naoko, and she's writing to him sometimes. But then he get. But then she goes off to a a real hospital, I guess, and he gets a letter from Reiko saying, "Yes, she was very very sick, but she seems to be better." And then he gets a letter saying that like she seems to be kind of doing better. And then and then it's like next chapter. So when she died, it wasn't my fault. And I was worried the whole book that the book was going to revolve around Watanabe having had said something immediately. Or I thought it was going to be like, he tells Naoko, yeah, I've got this new girl named Midori. And then Naoko was going to kill herself. But that's not what happened. Instead, she just kind of, uh, you find you find out later, because, okay, we'll just get to that. So Naoko kills herself. There's a funeral, uh, which is, he says, very sad. And then... Watanabe just like really does absolutely nothing, but then also goes down to the beach and drinks sake with the fisherman. He goes, he, he goes like a he, vision quest. Yeah, he he wa- he becomes a hobo. Like yeah, it's just that's it. it gets like day jobs just to make money to like live. And he like sleeps on the beach and in parks, and he gets like called the cops call him, and he lives for like a month just wandering small town Japan like. In basically just some sort of depressed fugue state, uh, from hand jobs to day jobs, yeah, yeah, basically, and and then he 
But also Midori is like mad at him. That was kind of going back and forth. Well, she gets mad know, at him. We skipped over earlier when she was a total asshole. When she was like, she sees him after a long time of ignoring him, and she's like, he's like, hell, let's let's sit together. Well, and we'll he ignored. He ignored. He moved to the garden shed and didn't tell her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and it then was. for weeks, he was like, oh shit, I haven't talked to that girl in a while. Three weeks. Yeah, this girl who wasn't his girlfriend. Who was just but his... was his only friend. Yeah, but she had other friends. It wasn't like... She doesn't have so many either. It's kind of hinted at that she's a weirdo. And she she's is a weirdo. obviously very impetuous. Is that a word? That is a word. Impulsive. It is a word. Yeah. She's, she's very forward about a lot of things. Oh, she's always like, what do you think about porn? <laughs> Which, if there's any stereotype about the Japanese people, is that they're like very guarded and very private. She's like the opposite of everyone else in this book. Certainly of Toru. So, uh, fuck that. She's pissed that he ignored him. That he ignored her. That she thinks he ignored her. He just kind of forgot because he's not right. Uh, And she's like, "Well, fuck you. I'm going to ignore you too. Then I don't want to be your friend anymore." And so he's just like, "Whatever," because he's fucked up and he's sad. And then Naoko dies. And then he goes into a, if it's possible, an even deeper depression. And that's when he starts wandering the countryside. And he find, they eventually, eventually they talk again. And she's like, hey, I broke up with my boyfriend. And he's like, I got to figure some shit out first before we do any weird more hand stuff. And then Reiko goes to, oh yeah, comes to visit him in Tokyo. And then they have a, and then she tells the whole story about how she seemed, uh, Naoko seemed to be getting better and she came back and things seemed okay. And then, oh, um, this is, this is where she jacks him off. Yes. Right. He right, right, right. fucks Rico. Yeah. The he no, no, no. This is where, this is where Midori, the, the, the order of this is hard. I wrote it all down because I knew it was going to be hard to remember. She breaks up with her boyfriend. Then Midori Jacks him off. This time they hang out, but he's like, because he's still into Naoko. But then Naoko dies, and that's when he goes all crazy and shit like that. And then anyway, Reiko tells a story about the final, her final night of you know they had a nice time, and then you know they like oh we're gonna like have a little party. Also, it's like oh and I'm I want you to hold me in the bathtub. I was like okay, and but she seemed fine. We went to bed, and then when I woke up, she wasn't she wasn't in the other bed, you know, because they're in the because they live in the same sort of room. And then all there was was a little note that says, "Give Rayoko all my clothes," which is, and so then we went out into the woods and found her. You know, I made you know, and then found her, and she had hung herself, and that's how she died. And that night, anyway, and and so she said, "Yeah, I just." Uh, so I came here to see you, and now let's have like a real proper funeral where they just drink incredibly heavily and play a Beatles songs on the guitar. With the occasional Bach fugue mixed in. Mm-hmm. As you do, yeah. yeah and then, say, those are easy to play when you're drunk. And on then guitar? At, Holy I shit, bet. is that hard? <laughs> well, she must be good. She well, was we never said she teacher. was a pianist who had herself, Reiko, had a mental breakdown even before she was tricked into being a lesbian pedophile. Yeah. She was, you know, 
on the track to classical pianist world and broke down, married a random guy. This is part of that. This is like the, the one fifth of the book where you're like, do I sh- should I care about this? <laughs> I would say no. It, mostly no. Anyway, yeah. and so at the end of the night, they're like, oh, we pl- we played fifty songs, and like, you know what? Let's uh, let's just go to bed and have sex. So they do. So he bangs the older lady. She makes some fucking ridiculous comments throughout. Because <laughs> she's like 38, which is, to everyone except for Nate, that's not that old. <laughs> but she's not that old. She's like, she's 38. And, but the whole book, they're like, she's so wrinkly. Like, Watanabe is kind of like, she's very, very wrinkly. Like, well, she's also wrinkly like from a, her what's severe that, a dog, mental like a <laughs> You know, like, yeah, that's what I'm picturing she looks like. <laughs> and she's 38. I'm fucking 30. I'm going to be 35. That ain't that old. And she's wrinkly from her mental breakdowns, not from... Age. I don't know how fucking upset you have to get to turn into, like, a, a, a Well, they didn't say that she's, flesh. like... She's, she's, they, they talk about her, like, slight wrinkles on her face and on her stuff. But she's not, like... She looks like a 95-year-old woman. She's just... Got some wrinkles. She has some, she a little, little start of crow's feet or whatever. But when yeah. he bangs her, he like goes to finger her. And she's like, not that wrinkle. <laughs> 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 and he's like, ah, you got me, bitch. And it's, <laughs> why is this here? So weird. Uh, yeah, it's weird. And they bang, bangs her she like leaves nine town. Times. It's like four, which is reasonable for a twenty-year-old. <laughs> and, and and he's like, "Oh fuck, I don't want to get you pregnant." And then she's just like, Nuh. and she's like, "Just let go, just do it." And he's like, "Okay," and he just keeps <laughs> unloading in her, like <laughs> he's just just pouring frosting in, just going to town. And she's like, it's cool, I'm old, nothing's going to happen. It's 1969, what could go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And he spackles her, that's what I'm saying, Nate. And then basically (laughs) the end, that's like the end of the book. Well, she leaves and he calls Midori, and she's like, that's right, yeah. Come on by, and he's like, ah, and then it ends. Well, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I fucked up, because she had been a real asshole, and he ignored him for months. And he's like, listen, shit got real. My friend fucking killed herself. I she, want to speak he to basi- you. She basically knows almost nothing about him. But she had revealed herself. She's like, I love you. I'm in love yeah. with you. And he was like, huh? And then... I thought that was just a hand job between friends. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how you seal the deal? Okay, and so... priest about all those deals we made. <laughs> Has a deal ever been sealed? So then she's like, you fucking dummy. I left my internet boyfriend to be with you. And then he he finally is like, um, she's dead. I don't know what to do. I how, Where are you? What? How have you been? Uh, what are you eating? <laughs> the guest's like a dumb <laughs> bunch of questions. And she heavy breathes for a minute. And she goes, where are you? And that's how it ends. And that's all you know? Yeah. Fucking women never making anything easy. (laughs) I mean, she made it pretty easy. (laughs) She did, yeah. Yeah. 
He's 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 not a he's she, she was giving him a hand. <laughs> and one for the balls. <laughs> so this is the book that put Murakami on the map in Japan, at least. This is is this your guys' second Murakami book? Really the only other thing I've read by Murakami was um Kafka on the Shore. And I definitely see the similarities between the two, not just in like the way the story is told, but also even some of the plot points. But Kafka on the Shore was way more interesting, way weirder, but um, definitely way more interesting. I had a thought on that. I realized that as I was reading this, because this is the second time I read this book. I read this book. I think this was my first, this is the first Murakami book I ever read uh, a few years ago. And since then, I've read a bunch. I've read, like, five, I think. And what he's really known for, like, largely, not only, but largely, is his magical realism. And this book has none. It's just straightforward. Everyone sucks and is depressed. I think I'm going to kill myself after I finish reading this book. And another thing in a lot of his books is that people in his books disappear. It's a thing that happens in a lot of them. They just disappear and in those, it's because of magic. And it usually, it's never explained, or if it's explained, it doesn't make any sense anyway. You mean like Colonel Sanders just disappears well, Colonel Sanders out of the book? Is, he, he's a concept. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there, I, like I read uh, two of his novellas, uh, and at the end of one of them, the girl just disappears, and they never find her. And that's the only magical part about it. And this one is like, if you've read a lot of Murakami and you read this book... I think like you're waiting for the magic part to happen. And then in the end you realize, oh, this is just real. This one's just real life. And it's maybe harder because of that. Because you like the other ones like, oh, there's some supernatural demon of sadness or like the sadness dimension consumes someone. And this is just like people kill themselves all the time, all around you. And we have to deal with that. There's nothing magic about it. Shit just sucks. Fuck you. What are you going to do? And it's kind of... I mean, he wrote this before a lot of those, so I don't know if it's a... If it's like... Like a ha-ha gotcha. But I guess it depends on the order in which you read these books. I mean, I don't... um, This is just a guess, but he wasn't famous at all before this came out. So this is kind of like... he Maybe he was just kind of like trying to write something normal for the normal people market. You know, and not write the weird magical realism. And though it does say in Wikipedia that, you know, after he wrote this, after he wrote wrote Norwegian Wood and then became pretty famous in Japan, he was kind of mad about that. He was like, for this? They like the boring one? (laughs) One was Colonel Sanders. (laughs) So uh, knowing really, knowing almost nothing, my guess is that he really wanted to write more of the fantasy. The, the fantasy uh, magical realism type stuff, but this is just the thing that he ended up getting published first. That's my yeah. guess. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's definitely that makes sense. I just I thought in like in the context of all his other works, knowing that that was his thing and this one doesn't have that I, for the, for for me that made it better. Like I liked it a lot more the second time. The first time I thought like, yeah, it's a good book. It's violently depressing, but it's you know it's it's cool. But this time it's like, oh, yeah, that's, I hadn't thought of it that way. But maybe that's just me. 
and a weird coincidence, one of the only other real novel besides Kafka on the Shore that I've read that is both takes place in Japan is also about suicide. And it was like, wow, must be really big there. The book, which I know, this other book I really liked, is called um, A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. And it is definitely about suicide, like all about suicide. Also very depressing, but a good book. <laughs> Well, they had that movie in like the two thousands called uh, Suicide Club. Did you did anyone see that? I, I, I saw it. I did not. I could not tell you what it was about. Like at first, the opening scene is an entire like high school class all standing on a subway or a train platform, and as the train comes, they all hold hands and they just all jump into the train path, and it just meatloafs everybody, and everybody gets sprayed <laughs> with blood. I'm like, oh, it's starting off bold. Okay. And then by the end of it, they're getting into like weird monsters with funny hats using like wood planers on people's bodies to shave off pieces of skin. And you're like, I don't understand this. And I looked it up as like, oh, these are all references to Japanese culture and like Shintoism or Buddhism. And you're like, okay, I don't get this anymore. But like they have that suicide forest too. So like it's a thing that they tackle a lot in their art. Uh, but this is way more understandable than that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know just that, that is like a stereotype of Japan. There's all these different angles of suicide between like the... Um, well, like the seppuku. Seppuku. Samurai. And, the, and the fucking uh, kamikaze. kamikaze. And then you, you, that combines into this sense in the West of, oh, great shame. And then they kill themselves. But nobody in this book has great shame. They're all just young people. Yeah, this book is not about sad. that. It's a this book is about mental illness or dep- it's really about depression and grief. It's about dealing with grief. Part of me wondered for a second if this was about like post World War II Japan, young people trying to find their way and realizing like there's a disconnect between the country that they have and you know the culture or whatever and like there's there's something there but there was nothing in the book to let me think that that was the case you know like that this yeah cuz he's like in 1969 you're like okay that's like a generation of after world war 2 but there was nothing there and i'm not i, I just did, was not going to do that much kind of work into the the showa era to understand what that was about yeah, it didn't appear. I I don't. I agree. I didn't appear to be. He wasn't saying like, yeah, Japan sucked so much back then. Uh, I didn't seem like that's what he was trying to say. It was really just a story about uh, first Kazuki who kills himself, and and the main character does not know, doesn't know why, or doesn't know why he would that he was probably depressed or anything like that, and then everyone else just trying to figure out, just really depressed about that. And trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, it was just a, that was just a story about sad people. There was a chunk in the middle where he, where he when he was talking to uh, Midori's dad, the guy who couldn't respond, and he's talking about how he's studying Euripides, and he had this paragraph. I wrote it down because it seems like this is definitely in here because it's important. He's talking about because uh, in his in his classes he's taking uh, the ancient Greek dramas. And he's talking about Euripides versus the other guys. And this is what he says about Euripides. It says, 
what marks his plays is the way things get so mixed up and the characters are trapped. Do you see what I mean? A bunch of people, different people appear, and they've all got their own situations and reasons and excuses, and each one is pursuing his or her own brand of justice and happiness. As a result, nobody can do anything. Obviously, I mean, it's basically impossible for everybody's justice to prevail or everybody's happiness to triumph, so chaos takes over. And you know what? And then what do you think happens? Simple. A god appears in the end and starts directing traffic. You go over there. You come here. You get together with her, and you get to sit there for a while. Like that. He's kind of a fixer, and in the end, everything works out perfectly. They call this the deus ex machina. There's almost always a deus ex machina in Euripides, and that's the point where critical opinion divides over him. And so it's like, oh, okay, something's going to happen in this book. And then it doesn't. Everybody like just they were kills themselves. They were expecting... Everyone's some, expecting a deus ex machina to come save them. Some kind of intervention. Doesn't. It's just, no, that's not how this works. You get your friends kill themselves. You have no control over this. And then there's a way out in the form of this girl who is going through her own deep shit. But instead of turning inwards like... Toru has and Naoko has. Or Naoko, it, it seems more like she has like some sort of hereditary mental illness that her whole family has. But like Toru's like, like, oh yeah, my only friend killed himself. I don't talk to my parents because they suck. I've got no one. I'm gonna sit in this garden shed for a few weeks and not bathe. And then this girl comes out of nowhere who's just like, Hey, you're pretty cool. And he doesn't understand why anyone would give a shit about him and he doesn't acknowledge it and then she's like I you know she's going through her own shit her parents both die of brain tumors within a few years of each other and instead of you know killing herself or like just becoming a you know a shut in she's like aggressively assertive and outgoing so it was like the opposite I was like oh you know can they save each other or is it just hanging on to something to get through it. Who knows? But everyone else he knows is dead because they killed themselves. He never considers it, but they hint a lot at the fact that he almost, you know, uh, if he if he did kill himself, no one would have been surprised. I would say this is the, um, since like, since Catcher in the Rye, this is the first book I've read where I was like, I think this person's hiding something. You know, like this narrator... Is telling their story, but the story is not in what they say. You know, so if you remember when you read Catching the Rye, he's like, hey, here's what happened with the phonies and fucking Ackley. And... But, like, the interesting part, as far as, you know, high school English classes are concerned, is all the little details where you're like, oh, fuck, Holden's life is terrible. He's not just a rich asshole kid. His life sucks. And I got the same vibe from this from this book. You know, Watanabe is talking about shit, and he never talks about himself. He's not as vain as, as Holden Caulfield. But he tells his story, but he's not in it. And then whenever you get a glimpse of him, you're like, oh, man, that guy's damaged. And you never know why. You never know what what happened. And that, what, that makes this, like, clearly an interesting nerd book. A book nerd book, you know? There's a... In one of the letters from Naoko, she writes to him from her from the sanatorium. She says, I can't do what you do. I can't slip inside my shell and wait for things to pass. 
She's like, even she knows, like, you're fucked up, but you just hide it well. And every character says that to him. They're always like, I love how you talk. You talk funny. You're different. <laughs> as if, and, 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 and then he's like, I didn't say anything different. But he's just, you know, you, you read it at first glimpse and you're like, oh, he's just witty or he's taciturn or whatever. All of these friends that find him find him when he's sitting by himself somewhere reading. That's interesting. I've met zero friends that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, he only made two or three. A random person coming up to me while I'm reading and wanting to fuck me. That just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, you're not reading in the right places. You should read in strip clubs. Clearly. <laughs> well, I've had that need, but they wanted to, f- they wanted to fuck me. C-spot run, that's my jam (laughs) I don't want you to jam it into me (laughs) So I wasn't sure while reading this If he was the, you know, quintess You know, the uh, Unreliable narrator Exactly You know, because I had my Holden Caulfield Senses were pinging Like, it's very much like Capturing the Rye When he's like Oh, I'm here, and I'm fucking weird. Let me tell you how I got here. The book is very similar. And then you get no answers, just like in Catching the Rye. It's like, and he mentions all sorts of other classic literature of the West. He mentions French writers. He mentions Catsby. That's a big Murakami thing. He really only talks about Western stuff for reasons I don't know. Well, that might be why he's been so popular here. Yeah. Frankly, I, we understand those references. Totally, the names at least. I mean, the character is studying German. He's not studying, you know, Chinese, classical yeah, Chinese or classical Japanese or whatever. I feel like this is the book. This is the kind of book where I fucking missed a whole lot. I will say, upon my second reading, like I don't remember. I didn't remember a lot of it. I remember the overall stuff. I remember there was like. It's like, yeah, that's, that's that sad book where everybody dies and there's a lot of hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say the second reading, it was it, it was a lot better. But also maybe because I'm a more a better reader. I read this fairly early into my reader renaissance. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was great the first time. This time I it it, it was a lot better. But that might be just me. I don't know. I, I, th- I, I, I you catch you catch more now that you know what it, the, the gist of it. It is you get more certainly the second time. I don't know if you'll like it more, but you'll get more. Two different things. I just thought it was okay. It was fine, but Kafka on the Shore was interesting because it was so weird, and this was certainly different, but not that kind of weird. I thought it was. Deeply depressing, but beautiful, like an Evanescence album. <laughs> I couldn't even finish that. <laughs> well, unlike most of the characters, this isn't. This didn't bring me to life. Is it Evanescence? But did it, yeah, wake me up inside. I think comparing this to Kafka on the Shore is a fool's game. Like they are. Yes, that's definitely true. So different. The only thing similar is the writing style and the number of coming. Is it even the same amount of coming? I think it's the same amount of guys named Murakami. But after that, 
Nothing is. It does include hand jobs. Does include fucking the older lady at the end. Um, mm, yeah. Because the older lady isn't his mom. Also, the, the weird like the relationship. Or, weird. That's cause... part of the hero's quest. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he goes to the underworld, if you know what I mean. The uh, under, I barely know her. <laughs> Uh, 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 also the weird, the weird plot line where Naoko was like, oh, and with Kazuki, we were like best friends from when we were like 13 and we just had the most perfect relationship, which is also just like. From when the time there were three. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Toddlers. But, but also just the, like a, the, the, I can't remember the names in Kafka on the Shore right now, but it was also that in Kafka on the Shore with, um, the girl who was very sad. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Who became? Who was his mom? Spoiler. Yeah, the uh, the girl, the, the singer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also in this, Naoko is the only one to tell him Kazuki wasn't happy. That whole oh, yes, like, right. that whole with you that whole thing. He, was he just said when he was with you. Yeah, he he had a good time or he acted like he had a good time. But it was at his best. This is why. It's why she liked being with the three of them because he would be happy or at least pretend to be so. Because the rest of the time he was a mess. Mm. That's why I think this book is like the the fucking uh, Catcher in the Rye. You know the character, like the the interesting thing is off page. You have to kind of glean it through. I mean, there's a lot of hand jobs in this. That's pretty on page. That's pretty interesting to me. There's putting hand jobs in this, and that's pretty interesting. So you know, that was the one thing missing in Catcher in the Rye. Like the pimp well, shows what up. Was he, and like, what was he catching? Hand jobs. <laughs> no, no, he was catching jizz. That's what he was catching in the rye. Catching in the eye. In the eye, Nate. <laughs> obviously, in the eye. <laughs> or he's like, I don't have a napkin. I'll use this old bread. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I live next to that deli. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us what you caught. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And again, if you want to support the podcast, head on on over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. And, I mean, fucking click the buttons. You fucking, you, you heard it already. You know what you have to do. And you can also rate and review us places, but only rate us five stars, because if you don't, we'll kill ourselves. Just kidding. Maybe. And you can join us on Goodreads and talk about and talk about books that are good and usually contain less hand jobs. I really thought Jimmy said you could rape us. Uh, it's gonna I, cost more than I, that. I didn't. <laughs> have to make a big donation uh and <laughs> 10 bucks check out the and then is it network <laughs> <laughs> and check out the hopped up network a network of independent beer podcasters and thanks for listening mm-hmm.